Welcome to The Word in Life. The following message is by Pastor James Detweiler. Additional sermons and other resources can be found at thewordinlife.com. Paul's second letter to Timothy in the New Testament, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. And as you find that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to look to your word, speak to us in a way that we may hear so that we can glorify you and love one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're about halfway through the series of 2 Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, remembering that the the main thing that Paul wants to communicate to his disciple in faith and ministry, Timothy, is to remember Jesus, who he is, what he has accomplished, and why it matters. Paul is in a difficult season of life. He is in prison, literally in chains, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ, for his ministry in the world. So what we see in this letter is how Paul responds to that season of difficulty. How he reacts to hard things in life. So that got me thinking this week about how we respond to hard things in life. Specifically, what happens to the mission in times of crisis or difficulty? What happens to the mission, our life mission, our, our mission at, in the job uh, or at home? What happens? Uh, when things get hard, do we abandon ship? Do we uh, retreat? Do we... Uh, Declare every man or woman for himself. What happens when things fall apart or when people fall apart? What happens to the mission? Again, Paul is in prison near the end of his life and ministry. So we need to look at what he did. Did he fall apart? Was he cowering in the corner, ashamed of his life and his ministry and of Jesus? Uh, Did he recant his faith and sell out? To spare his life? No. He, he was remembering the power and the purpose of his mission. And he was re- retelling that power and purpose to Timothy. So that Timothy could remember and retell also. You see, in life, we're guaranteed difficulty. And the phrase in, in this passage is times of difficulty. It's guaranteed by Jesus and the apostles. They said very clearly, we will experience times of difficulty. So it's not if they will come, but when they come, we all struggle in some sense. So how will you respond during times of difficulty? Like right now, how, how will you respond? Uh, we looked at that last week about being able to, to live with a clear conscience because of forgiveness in Jesus Christ and then have maximum impact in life when it comes to ministry and mission. So today, the message is entitled Power and Purpose in Times of Difficulty. In times of difficulty, remember and retell the power and purpose of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. So let's get into the text, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, 
unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So the first takeaway, and this is on your sermon outline, it's the first point, acknowledge the godlessness of the present age. Acknowledge the godlessness of the present age. In the military, we have something called situational awareness, right? S-A. Uh, and then there's, if you want to add another abbreviation to it, you say F-Y-S-A, for your essay. And situational awareness is being aware of what's going on around you in your context so that you can maximize your effectiveness and impact. And essay could be described as a worldview. And as Christians, we want a biblical worldview, a realistic biblical worldview. And that's what Paul is giving Timothy right here is something realistic. And that's why I say acknowledge the godly, uh, godlessness of the present age. He says in the last days, verse one, in the last days, we are in the last days, you are in the last days. The last days is a biblical description of the time period in between the first coming and second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the last days. And we've been in it for 2,000 years and, and we'll be in it until Christ returns. That's the last days. And when it comes to the last days, I, I just will give you a, an aside here. Um, don't get fooled by anyone that comes to you and says, uh, Jesus is returning on this day in, because the last days are coming to an end. Uh, the Bible, Jesus specifically in the gospel says that no one knows the time except God. Okay, so there's some signs of the last days. There's some evidences of the last days. Jesus speaks about those. Paul speaks about those. And, and we do see kind of an acceleration, an expansion of godlessness that will lead up to Christ returning. Okay? So there are some signs to look for, but there's no definitive answer. Only God knows when Jesus will return. But we are in the last days. You are in the last days. So how will you live? How shall we live now that we know that we are in the last days? Uh, I've heard that the analogy of, of a cruise ship used before. Shall we live like we're all on a cruise ship? Comfortable. Uh, eating as much as we can <laughs> at every possible meal. Enjoying the entertainment being lulled asleep by the, the waves and the water? Or are we on, on what's described sometimes as a wartime footing? A wartime footing, uh, like you would be at, on an aircraft carrier when everybody's on alert because the battle is happening. The, uh, the war is being waged. How are we to live? If we're in the last days, are we going to be more like the cruise ship or more like the wartime footing of an aircraft carrier? So what is the first thing that you can do to live more like at the wartime footing than the cruise ship mentality? Well, again, back to the point. Acknowledge the godlessness of this present age, of this world, your situational awareness, your realistic biblical worldview. Paul describes it. Look at verses 2 and 4. He says, lovers of self, so that sets the tone for this description of the present age. They are lovers of self, and then he bookends that 
passage with verse 4, loves those who love pleasure rather than love God. Love pleasure rather than love God. So they have ignored uh, really the, the great mission in life, which is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So anything outside of enjoying things which glorify God or in glory or enjoying God by enjoying things is sin, is godlessness, and if you get that wrong, then everything else is horribly thrown off. Lovers of self, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then Paul gives 18 qualities of godlessness. 18 Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, and so forth. Now, we, we read those items, and I don't know about you, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm speaking for myself, I identify with many of those. Okay, so, so I still, in my fallen sinful state, redeemed and forgiven, yes, but still battling the flesh, fall guilty, when it comes to some of those things. Okay? However, although we may be guilty of those things from time to time, those who are in Christ confess, repent, and fight sin in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So I may, you know, just have a problem with money. And I, my, my natural bent is to love money more than love God and the things that money can give me more than I do God, but in Christ I am forgiven of that sin, and by the power of the Holy Spirit I can fight against that temptation and begin to release my hands on the resources that God has blessed me with and help use them to bless others. Fight the love of money. Okay, there's just one example. So don't be surprised when you, again, we're all wrestling against these things, or the world acts in such a way. I like to say, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Acknowledge uh, that even within the church, it gets messy, but certainly outside of the church, in an age, in an era, in a world of godlessness, you're going to see those things every day, all day, and if you don't believe me, turn on the news, scroll your social media phase, listen to the own, your own words coming out of your mouth or the, the thoughts in your brain. <laughs> All right? Acknowledge the godlessness of the present age for your situational awareness. Why? Because Paul wants you to operate out of this realistic biblical worldview. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. All right? But, but he doesn't leave us there. He goes on, pick it up with verse 5. He says, Having the appearance of godliness, but deny its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. So the second takeaway is 
is that Paul is telling us, don't be fooled, don't be fooled by the appearance of faith, religion, or uh, spirituality, okay? Don't be fooled when someone comes with a good game looking all spiritual and faith-filled and religious, but as he puts it in verse 5, which is the critical verse, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. So don't be fooled by superficial faith, religion, and spirituality because it's dangerous, especially when those who are fooling others have influential voices. They're not just harming their own soul, they're harming the souls of others. So that's part of that realistic biblical worldview is is being aware that, that those harmful, influential, godless voices exist out there and you can fall prey to them. They deny the power and the purpose of the gospel. So I'll give you some examples. What does that mean, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power? So the purpose and power of all of this, of all of life, of all of creation, is God-centered, Jesus-focused, gospel-oriented, and as we will see, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, loving God and loving others and discipling the world. So that's the power and the purpose of all of this. That's, the, that's real godliness. The, the opposite is the appearance of godliness, superficial godliness, that denies its true power. Religion that is all self-help and man-exalting. Uh, religion that is all works-based. What can I do to get over on God and earn His favor? Uh, religion that gives lip service to God, but doesn't really believe His promises or his word, or his spirit. Uh, Religion that is all for show, but not real and true and genuine. The appearance of godliness, but denying the core of true godliness. What does Paul say? He says, avoid such people. Watch the company that you keep. And the church has even been given the responsibility to to be on the lookout for such superficial uh, charlatans in the faith. To hold one another accountable so that we don't fall into such error and even expose those that aren't perpetrating this blasphemy against God. Avoid such people. These people are dangerous. They, They creep into households and capture people's hearts and minds. And then Paul brings up this Janus and Jambres, these two figures from the the book of Exodus, two two false prophets, two magicians that performed counterfeit miracles to oppose Moses. And I don't know how they pulled it off, probably evil supernatural power. I don't know if they had some strings in the back that they were pulling behind, you know, the, the curtain. But it was demonic. It was not from God. It was not through God. And it was not to God. Paul says they were corrupted, disqualified, and their folly will be plain to all. So if we're not to be fooled by such charlatans, why are we not to be fooled? Are we just born with an awareness? 
In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Here it is. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So Jesus tells us how not not to get fooled by the appearance of godliness. He says, sniff it out, observe both word and deed, and look at the fruit. Look at the result of someone's life. And not just superficially, but if you actually get to know a person, what they really are about. You know, how are their relationships? How are their finances? How is their service in the church? What kind of words come out of their mouth? Sniff it out. Observe. Look at the fruit. Because you can only fool someone for so long. Eventually, it's going to come out. (laughs) Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So someone might look really good on TV, but if you knew them in person, uh, you wouldn't want to be their friend. And just because they put on a suit on Sundays and look all religious, they could be the most miserable person on the planet. The appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Let me wrap up by reminding you to remember and retell the power and the purpose of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment, for example, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. It's called the the Great Commandment. Every other command of God is is summarized in some sense in that statement. If you do those two things, you'll do everything else right. And then the Great Commission. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In times of difficulty like we find ourselves in now, remember and retell the power and the purpose of the great commandment and the great commission. You know, there's nothing like a group exercise to, to see how a person will respond in times of difficulty. I know not everyone in this room is uh, in the military, but we can all relate in some way when it comes to group exercises. You take a, you take a group of people and you throw them in a really hard situation and see how they respond. I'll give you such an example. Because in these pressure cookers, what we see is who panics and who is calm and who runs from leadership and who steps up and embraces leadership. So I found myself in such a place 
uh, at officer training school. <laughs> they have something called Project X. It's an obstacle course where you're tasked as a group to solve problems in, in three-dimensional space and, and time. And, and, and you're in this like maybe 50 by 50 uh, space and you got to climb things or crawl under things or manipulate objects to, 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 to get over a challenge, to solve a problem. And class instructors are supposed to put different people within the group in positions of leadership to see how they respond, to see how they lead under pressure. And what you find out really quickly is that there are some who rise to the occasion and there are others that fail miserably. Um, there are some when, when things get difficult, boy, they really rally the troops. And in the moment when all seems lost, what they do is they, they gather the people together and they, they say, let's remember the mission. And they begin to retell one another the mission. This is the problem. This is the solution. At least we think the solution. Let's get there. How are we going to get there? And, and that's what we do in life. We remember the power and the purpose of all of this. Right? When times get tough, and there's lots of distractions, and there's lots of things competing for our attention, and, and, and there's a lot of pressure to be hopeless. We remember and we retell the power, the power of God, the power of the gospel, the power of the word. And we remember and we retell the, the purpose, the great commission and the great commandment. And all of us are called to do this. In those group exercises, only some got to be the leader. But everyone should get a chance to be the leader. And, and that's what God does with, with all of us. He calls us to a specific ministry in a specific uh, way that we're going to, to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment. And my prayer is for me and for all of us to, to not fall apart when life gets difficult. Okay? That's the great temptation right now. And to live like the world out there that's all either outright godlessness or the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. So as we gather as the church, let's remember and retell this purpose, this mission that we've all been tasked with. It, it's not easy. I'll, I'll admit, that, that example I was giving you in one of the exercises, I fell off, I fell off this, I don't know, 10-foot platform, and I'll, I about broke my back. <laughs> I was given some Motrin and a pat on the behind and said, go on about your business. We don't always respond the way we want to respond. We don't, it doesn't always go the way we want it to go. Sometimes we end up walking on crutches for several weeks. But God's good. He's gracious. I don't walk with a limp today, but I do carry that experience with me in the, the future. Situational awareness, and I remember the mission at hand. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your good word. Pray that you would take it and apply it to our lives as husbands and wives, as parents, as co-workers, as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as uh, witnesses of Jesus to the world. May we be people of peace. May we be voices of justice and righteousness, grace and mercy, the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we not deny the power and the purpose of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, but may we experience godliness in Jesus Christ and 
others would see that in us. Maybe we remember and would tell this until the day that we die. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us at The Word and Life. If you've been encouraged by this message, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to check us out on the web at www.thewordandlife.com.